You're listening to a Calvary and Adults podcast, a ministry out of Calvary Baptist Church in Oshawa, Ontario, Canada. Calvary and Adults is a midweek worship service gathering of those in the Durham region who are between the ages of 18 and 30. We love the Lord, proclaim His Word, and celebrate His goodness. This podcast series is the sermons from Thursday evenings. In today's podcast, Pastor Nick takes a look at the topic, Are You Known by God? He asks the question, Do you follow Jesus or just flaunt Him? Let's listen now to Pastor Nick's sermon. People are rewarded in public for what they practice in private. I want you to think about that for a few minutes. People are rewarded in public for what they practice in private. Let's open our Bibles to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, it's in the Old Testament. As you're turning there, I'll say that again. People are rewarded in public for what they practice in private. We're going to be looking at the life of David, the shepherd boy, tonight. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 17, I'm going to be starting at verse 4, and I'm going to read a bunch. So let's follow along together. A champion. That's where we start. A champion. This is, this is the one that's coming out. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp, and he was over nine feet tall. That's very big to me. That's like three of me, almost. That's, this is a big dude. He's a champion. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That's 125 pounds. That's probably what I weigh. So this guy is three times of me, and his, his jacket is, is how much I weigh. And on his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung over his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels, which is probably about 15 pounds. His shield bearer went ahead of him. So he's a champion, nine feet tall. Had a, had a shield a barrier, a guy who would just carry a shield and would go out and put the shield down and then step away, and this champion would come out. This is what we're seeing here. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. So get this in your head. There's, there's one camp over here, and then there's a valley, and then there's another camp. So it's us right here. This is the Philistine side, and this is the Israel side. And in the middle, there's this valley. And any tall people on this side? Nick's pretty tall. Nick, stand up. You're Goliath. <laughs> you just have to stand for the whole sermon. <laughs> I'm joking. You sit down. <laughs> Goliath stood up, Nick stood up, and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why don't you come out here and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, he will become, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and you will serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. That's an important point. He's coming out and he's shouting against the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. This is, M this is MMA going down. This is a battle. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul, who was a king, and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So you come out for battle, line up on each side. Guy comes out, nine feet tall, got a shield bearer, has got a, a, a coat of bronze, and he's yelling to the other side, and he's yelling to the king, send your best man out, I'm going to kill him. And these guys are terrified. That's how we start. Now David, verse 12, son of an Ephraim named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem and Judah. Jesse had eight sons, 
and in Saul's time, he was old and well advanced in his years. Jesse's three sons had followed Saul to the war. So Jesse's sons are in the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second, Abimadab, and the third, Shema. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, King Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came out forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Can you imagine? For 40 days, the guy would come out and yell that same thing. Who wants to fight me? Who wants to fight me? Every day for 40 days. Now Jesse said to his son David, take an ephah of roasted grain and then 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry down to the camp. And then take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their units. See how your brothers are, are, see how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a, with a shepherd, loaded up and set out. As Jesse had directed, he reached the camp as the army was going out to battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his line and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Something's changing today. David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran in fear, ran in, ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been, say, had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt the father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that, that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been, told, been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliad, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and said, why have you come down here? And whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here only to watch the battle. David's reply, now what have I done? You ever, you ever be one of the younger brothers and the older brothers are always saying something and you're like, you feel like you're always in trouble? My daughter's like that in our house. She's the youngest. She will come out and she'll say, now what have I done? Can't I even speak? Because the boys are always, uh, always razzing her. David says, now what have I done? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And then the man ant men answered him as before. When David said, what David said was overheard and was reported to Saul, and that Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not going to be able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he's been fighting since he was a youth. He's a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will, be, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, 
and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on the sword, fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around, but because he wasn't, he, but he was not used to them. He says, "I cannot go in these." He said to Saul, "Because I'm not used to them." So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch in his shepherd's bag with his sling in his hand, and approached the Philistine. People are rewarded in public what they practice in private. This is, a beautiful, this is a beautiful story of courage and faith found in, the first, uh, found in the book of 1 Samuel 17. It's a story about a young boy, a shepherd boy, who took on, God's, took on the enemy of God's people, Goliath, the champion. That day, David was delivering portions and provisions of cheese and bread to his brothers on the front lines and heard the tauntings of Goliath. Goliath was speaking ill of God and his people, and David sets up, sets up David steps up and says to King Saul, let no, one, let no man's heart fail because of him, Goliath. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. The king's reply, you're not even able to go against this guy. You're only a youth, and this guy has been training and fighting since he was young. Just a kid. Just a little boy out tending the sheep. Just a little guy delivering cheese, a little shepherd boy. You deliver the cheese and the bread. You're not like us. He gets down to the front lines, and what does his brothers say? They don't say, hi, David. Thanks for the bread. Thanks for the cheese. They say, what are you doing here? You're conceited. You have a wicked heart. You only came to watch the battle. What battle? You're supposed to be the, the army of God, and you're standing there for 40 days doing nothing while this guy defies God, while this guy puts down God. My question is, what gave David the courage to fight this warrior? What gave David the courage as he heard this guy putting down God's people? What gave him that courage to fight the warrior? David observes someone mocking his God and no one is doing anything about it. Even his brothers stood in fear as this man mocked their God. The story records Goliath coming out for 40 straight days trying to pick a fight with the warriors in God's elite army. You see, people are rewarded in public what they practice in, pri in private. David tells King Saul that he may not, that he may not be a seasoned warrior, that the, the, the sword that was given to him and the, the, the protective gear did not fit, but that didn't stop him. He said he was going to deliver this guy's head to King Saul because he had training. See, as a shepherd boy, he had training. God trained him in the little things to be ready for the big things. It says from a, he, was, he, he was delivered from a lion and delivered him from a bear. And I just love how David kind of tells us about that. He says, I grabbed him by the head. I grabbed it by the hair and I struck it down. This little shepherd boy is, is not fearful. In public, people thought David's job was to walk around from pasture to pasture. Here, little sheep. This is our job. Come on, we're going to have something to eat today. You're just a little shepherd boy. Your job is to deliver the cheese. Here, take some bread. But really, in private, God was preparing him. God was training him. God was using the simple tasks that he was called to do to get him ready. What a lesson. What a lesson for us as we read into this. Makes me ask the question, what is God preparing you? What is God preparing me to do in private? 
within our daily tasks that we're called to do, whether that is helping to run a family or getting ready for a marriage or within a marriage or finishing up your schooling or going to your job every day, your, your tasks that you know every day you're going to get up and do. What is God in those tasks that you are called to do, those mundane tasks, what is God preparing you to do for his namesake and for his glory? Sometimes we just get up and it's another Monday. But when we get up and it's another Monday with purpose, it's another Monday with an opportunity to draw closer to God, to ask him what he wants, to ask him, God, in the private times, in the mundane things, when nobody else is looking, what are you preparing me for? In private, David was building his trust in God so he would be ready in public to put his faith and trust in action. In private, David was training his heart and mind to focus on God and his faithfulness. If you go and read some of the Psalms, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. David wrote that. He's talking about how God, while he was out with the sheep, was preparing him, was, was training him to be a warrior, training him to be a leader, training him to stand on behalf of God's people for God's name. What is God doing in your life? How's God preparing you to do the same thing? Because God's the same yesterday and today and forever. And he says part of our sanctification, our progressive sanctification, those big words we've been using, is he changes us into the likeness of Christ. That we are like God's son. What did Jesus do? He was all about his father. He even said, I only do what I see my father doing. And we're becoming like that. So in our private times, in our times away from people, we should be drawing in, pressing in to see what God would have in store for us. See, David was training his heart and mind to focus on the things that that God would call him to. In public, though, so that was in private, but in public, God was going to use David's hands. He was going to use David's mind. He's going to use David's heart. What did the brothers say about his heart? It was wicked. His own family. I just spit on. I'm glad no one's sitting here. His own family says his heart's wicked, but in the private times with his sheep, with his prayers, with those moments alone, with his solitude, God's changing his heart. I wonder if God's changing your heart. If you're asking God, hey, God, change my heart. My family think I'm like this, but I know you can do that. God, I want to prove my family wrong, not to be boastful, not to be prideful, but to, to, to show my family that there is a God in heaven that can change a heart. But God, I've done wrong. God, I've, uh, I, I've done things. You think God doesn't know that? You think God can't forgive? You think God won't bend his ear down when you go with a genuine heart and talk to him about that? You say, God, my heart is wicked. I want to do all these things that don't please you. Even read in the book of Romans when Paul talking about it's, do these things I don't want to do. I don't want to do these things, God. It's not me to do it. It's my flesh. It's this war that's in within me. You ever have those moments where you continue getting those patterns of sin and you're going back to God and you just feel guilty and you just don't want to go back to him? So you start to just drift away? Stop. Stop. That's you in your life. Stop tonight. Go to the Heavenly Father. Go to the Good Shepherd. Talk to him about this stuff. In public, God was going to use David's hands, his mind, his heart, his skills to make him famous? No. 
but to make God's name famous, to bring honor and glory to God, makes me ask a couple questions for us. Are we training in private to be used by God in public? Our alone times with God, are, are, if you're dating, are you, are you using that opportunity in your dating opportunity in the time that you're spending together to really pray and seek what the Lord would have in store for you? For the married couples that are in the room, there are a few here tonight, are you spending time together? Are you looking at God's word and are you saying, hey, in our private time, just us and the Lord, are we, are we asking God, like, how are you going to change us in the next year? Anthony and Tina, I see you guys. Right up front, married, arm around each other. I've watched your life over the last year, how you've been raising your son, how you've been turning things towards the Lord. You think that God's not going to honor those things when you start cutting things out, you start putting the right things? Yeah, he's going to honor that stuff. He's going to change your life. Other married couples, take the time to ask God in the private times in your relationship. Men in the relationship, ask the Lord, how can I lead better? How can I protect? How can I, how can I honor how can I cherish? Ladies within the relationship, ask God, how can I draw closer under, under my man or the guy I'm dating in a proper way? And if you're married, how can I, I do life with this guy? How can we bring honor to your name? That stuff starts in the private and goes out public. The question for the singles, are you training in private to be used by God in public? Maybe you want to be married someday. Are you using your private time in an appropriate way to get ready for that appropriate dating that needs to happen? Another question, how are you preparing in private to be, how are you preparing? What does that process look like? When you get some free time, is it just YouTube or is it TikTok or is it whatever? Is it binge watching Netflix or do you actually carve out some time to, to work with the Lord? As we gather tonight, we need to make sure that we are following Jesus and not just flaunting Jesus. That was the title of this message. Are we following Jesus or are we just flaunting him? Because today's young professionals, today's young professional may be tempted to flaunt Jesus and not even follow him. And that starts in our private time with God. So here are some signs that you may be just flaunting Jesus. In front of others, you speak of your walk your prayer time, your daily reading. In private, you're not reading. You're not really reading. You're not really reading to understand. You're not really reading to ask God, like, can you use your word, God? Will you speak to me tonight as I open up your word? God, can we have a conversation tonight? God, will you open up my mind? Will you open up my heart when I go to this text so that I can know and understand what you would like for me? In your private time, you're not really reading or, or really walking or even really praying. But we'll tell people, we'll pray for you. There seems to be a great divide of what, what people say in public and what they do in private. Signs you may be flaunting Jesus. In your Christian friend group, you project a more faithful super-Christian who always trusts in Christ and always relies on the Scripture and always listens to the Holy Spirit and knows all of the, all of the disciplines, practicing them all the time. Always ready to preach, always ready to rebuke, always ready to teach somebody the Scripture they have, always ready to tell somebody that they, they I know what your calling is. 
But when you're not with the friends group, you struggle. You fail to trust God. When things come up in your life, you fail to preach the gospel to yourself. You may run to your leaders over and over with the same issues and nothing ever changes. The old life living in private, the wrath of God is coming against those things. We see that in Colossians. Let me read Colossians for a second. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated. New mind, new heart. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, though, therefore, whatever belongs to the earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurities, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. The old life. In the private times, you go back to the old life, but in the public life, you're, you're the super-Christian. That's a, that's a great sign that you're just flaunting Jesus and not following Jesus. In public, you're very faithful to Christ. In private, you're very faithful to your sin appetite. If this is you, you may be flaunting Jesus and not following him. Another question for us. Is flaunting Jesus and not following Jesus even biblical? Matthew 8, 28. I'm going to read it for you. It says, true and false disciples. That's the, that's the title of that section. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name or perform many miracles in your name? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Go to Matthew 25, verses 31 through Starting at verses 31. I'll start at 41 where it gets crazy. Then he said to those on the left, this is a great divide that will happen at this time. So what's happening in this Matthew passage is there is a, a gathering of people and Jesus is starting to separate these people into cohorts, left and right. Then he says to the ones on the left, depart from me those who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, nothing to drink. I was a stranger, didn't invite me in. I needed some clothes, did not give me any clothes. I was sick and in prison, didn't look after me. They will also answer, Lord, they're using Lord, so they're addressing him, they think they know him. When do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger in need of clothes or sick or in prison? And when do we not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. You see, there's a great danger to the church when it comes to public and private intimacy with God. We need both our public display of affections for God. We come together. Pastor Jordan leads us in worship. I saw tonight the last hands. It was crazy. I was back there. We're worshiping. There's like scattered throughout the crowd here tonight or the congregation. A couple people put their hands up. Jordan and Jess put their hands up like this. All the hands start to go up. We follow our leaders. We are great catalysts for change. People are watching us. People mimic what we do. So if you're in public and you're leading for Jesus, you're trusting in Jesus and you're doing it, the, you're actually following Jesus, you will encourage other brothers and sisters who are struggling. There could be people struggling in this room right now. 
They probably didn't even want to come here tonight. But if you're trusting in the Lord and you're coming in and you're here to receive what the Lord would have for you and you want to put it into play and you're going to display that for the glory of God, you will help people. You will help your marriage. You'll help your dating. You'll help people at your work by trusting in God. But there's a great danger that can happen between our public and private intimacy with God. Remember I said that big, that, that valley, there was, there was Goliath on one side and the Israelites on the other and this big, big divide? It's like a war that's happening between our private and our public lives and, and, and it needs to be the same. That's the takeaway. It needs to be the same. But what you're doing in your private Life, your time alone with God, your time alone with your spouse, the time alone with the person yet you're thinking about marrying, that all matters for when God would want to use you, when God would want to bring you forward to bring honor and glory to his name. You may find yourself, you actually don't want to find yourself someday in a cohort that is going to the left. You don't want to find yourself being told by the Father, I never knew you. But everybody at your church thought you were amazing. That guy trusts Jesus. But behind the scenes, no. See, people are rewarded in public for what they practice in private. And when I'm talking about rewarded, I'm not talking about gifts. I'm not talking about jewels. I'm not talking about uh, the, how the world rewards. I'm talking about rewarded with opportunities to make, na- make the name of Jesus shine. We are rewarded with divine opportunities to tell people about the gospel. We are rewarded with divine opportunities to to share the the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are rewarded to walk alongside of someone who is struggling. I don't know about you, but one of the greatest gifts that I see as a leader, and I know there's a bunch of leaders in this room, and they'll shake their head with me uh, in, in 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 a yes format, is when we see people who are struggling trust in Jesus. That's a great reward to us. We're like, yeah, that's awesome. We see the hand of God working in someone's life. That's a great reward to a, a leader. You can keep your gifts, you can keep your money, keep your treasure. It means nothing. We see people growing and trusting in Jesus. That's a huge blessing to us. That's a huge blessing. We're just like, yes, the church is moving. The church is operating the way it should be. So I want to counsel us to make sure that we are following Jesus and just not flaunting him to others. We want to be following the real Jesus Christ. So I want to give you a few ways that we can do, make sure that in our private lives, that our private lives are matching our public lives and we're ready to be used by God. Because as your pastor, like this ministry continues to grow. Pastor Jordan said it tonight. He was leading the group out back, getting ready for the worship team, come up and lead worship. He said, something's going on here. This is great. People are coming out. We're seeing people grow. Pastor Jordan is just leaning at the back. I'm just amening side to side. Just like, yeah, something's going on. But as we tune our hearts to what God would want, as we start listening to the Holy Spirit, as we start doing what God wants us to do, things are going to start changing because God's going to start setting this group up for divine appointments to make famous the name of the Lord. And we can be ready for that. So here are a few ways. Each way, I said this series, we wanted to make it practical give you a couple takeaway things as we go. So here's the first thing. To make sure that our private lives are matching our public lives and, we're being re- and we are ready to be used by God. First thing is make a plan to spend time with God. 
private time. I'll come back to the married group. If you're married, spend some time together, but also spend some time alone with the Lord. If you're in a dating relationship, spend some time together, pray together. If you're dating and you're not praying together, break up. Or start praying. Those are your options. You need to be praying in your relationships. But in the dating relationship, pray together, but then pray privately. Spend some time alone with God. Make, make a, a schedule or make a plan to do that. See, Jesus gave us this great example by, of taking time to go away from the crowds, away from his friends, and spend quality time with the Father. I gave you six examples of Jesus where Jesus chose solitude over people. And he did this to prepare for a major task. We see this in Luke 4, 1-2 and 14-15. to After Jesus was baptized, he spent 40 days praying in the wilderness. After this, he was tempted by Satan, and then he began his public ministry. He, to recharge after hard work, Mark 6, 30 through 32, Jesus sent the 12 disciples out to do ministry. When they returned, he encouraged them to be separate from the people and were, and were following them, to, or were, he was telling them to rest. After you guys do hard work, you need to come and you need to rest in the Lord. You need to spend time recharging in Jesus. To work through grief. Sometimes we're going to have hard things happen in our lives. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have hard times. Some of you are probably in hard times. Some of you are coming out of a storm. Some of you are not even prepared, but you're going into a storm. And sometimes you get all these emotions. We start to doubt God. We start to doubt his truth. We, we, we say, am I really saved? All this emotion starts to flood us. And we get this grief, to work through grief. Matthew 14, 1 through 13. After Jesus learned that his cousin John, his head was cut off. Imagine your cousin. He's the one that baptized you and his head gets cut off. What did Jesus do? He went away by himself. He took a break from the people. Even the Son of God grieves. So he took a break so that he could pray. Before making any important decisions. In your life, before you make any important decision, you spend some time alone with God. Luke 6 gives the example. Luke 6, 12-13. Early in his ministry, he spent the whole night alone in prayer. A whole night. Anyone spend a whole night before in prayer? Yeah, all right, okay, sweet. I've been there too. Sometimes you just are just called to pray. Sometimes you're a part of a church that does 24-hour prayer vigils. Like sometimes we're just, you just can't stop praying. Jesus set that example. He spent a whole night alone praying. The next day, what does he do? He chooses the 12 disciples. Before any major decision, make sure you put that time of prayer in. In a time of distress, you will have times of distress. We get the example in Luke 22. Hours before Jesus was arrested, arrested, he went to the Mount of Olives and, and went a short distance away from his, his disciples to pray. So he's with his disciples. They just had something to eat, the Last Supper. They go out. They're there. And he separates from his, from his best friends. He takes even his, even his posse, he takes a, even his group of guys, he takes, a, he takes a break from in his distress so that he can talk to the Father. There's something to be learned here about that. You really want to follow Jesus in your private life? Spend time with God. It's like a power-up. It's like gathering that, that energy from God, that, that spiritual nourishment, just spending time with him. If you're lacking in your life, if you're feeling like you're just like, ugh, I feel like a pathetic Christian. I'm not calling you one, but you feel like one. Maybe you just need to spend some time alone with God and just pray. It's amazing what it does for your heart. Especially throwing some worship music in. 
That's my, that's my recipe. Get the earbuds in, get on my knees three or four times a week, just alone, away from everyone. Just got that in, just pray, 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 pray. At the end of it, things change. Times of distress. And just to focus on prayer. Many times in Jesus' ministry, he chose, to, he chose solitude instead of the people so that he could spend a lo- some time alone in prayer. Get away, get alone, take some time. Second thing to do is make a plan to practice the spiritual disciplines in private. What that's going to do is it's going to turn your, tune your heart and your mind into the, uh, turn, tune them to God, the, the moving of the spirit, the spiritual disciplines. Jesus said, when you pray, Matthew 6, 5, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who like to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. It's like they stand on, hey, I'm going to pray now, guys. I'm going to pray. Everybody look. I'm going to pray. You're not looking at me. I'm going to pray. That's not what he wants. Close the door. Spend some time with the Father. You don't need to be like them. Set the example. He says, don't do that. He says, they're going to receive their reward in full. But when you go and pray, you go into the room, you close the door, and you pray to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You get that? You see that little scripture right there? You'll be rewarded for closing the door, getting away from people, and just praying. It's beautiful. Second thing Jesus said, when you fast, talking about the disciplines, praying, fast, meditation, all, all kinds of them, solitude. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. They disfigure their face and show others that they are fasting. I can't, uh, that's so funny to me when I read that. Because I, I, keep, I keep thinking like you go out to the town and like the, the, the Pharisees are there and they're just like, they're just like all like sad looking and just oil all over their face. I'm fasting. Are you okay there? No, I'm fasting. Like, Jesus actually made a comment about it. It's like, when you're doing that, don't do it like them. They put oil on their face and, what does it say? Disfigure their faces and show, that, that shows other that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they'll receive their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. So that it's not obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret, private. These moments will reward you. These private times with God. They prepare us for our public ministry for God. Prayer, fasting, meditation on God's Word, study, these are, the, these are all the inward disciplines to tune our hearts and minds to follow closely after Jesus. We will be following after Jesus, not just flaunting Jesus. We'll be ready for Jesus when the Spirit moves and the Spirit is acting and the Spirit is speaking, speaking to us. We're ready to move and act and say, God, yes, I'm here. What do you want? What do you need? You tune your heart to what the Spirit wants. We make a pra- and the third thing we do is we make a practice of serving in public what you're learning in private. Make a practice of serving in public what you're learning in private. Jesus spent time with his disciples in private, and then he sent them out to practice what they were learning. He sent them out to preach and to teach about the kingdom. He gave them authority to heal the sick and cast out the demonic. He never told them to go and talk about what Jesus was telling them. Did you ever notice that? You ever notice that the disciples never get groups of people around and say, well, this is what Jesus said yesterday, so we're going to tell you that. He never, they never did that. They learned from Jesus, and then they went out and did what Jesus said. And that's what we do. 
we open God's word Thursday nights, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights. We come, we gather, we open God's word. We ask God to teach us through his word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through a pastor, preaching, teaching. Then we go out and do it. Then we go out and, and spread, spread God's love, spread God's peace, spread God's joy using our gifts. We practice, make a practice of serving in public what we're learning in private. Be active in your discipleship. Take ownership. We talked about that at the beginning of this series. We said, if you stick with this and you put some of these things in play, you will grow. Anyone growing over this season? Yeah, look at this. I love it. Yes, it's not your, this is your moment. Put your hand up. You can do that. Yeah, are you growing? Yes. Praise God, you are growing. Because you're trusting in the Lord, you're reading, you're putting into play. I'm so proud of what the Lord is doing in your life. I'm so happy about that. I'm so happy that you're trusting in Jesus. I see that you're happy. You're smiling through your mask. You're glowing. I can see by your eyes. I can tell by the eyes. Be active in your discipleship. Go and be light. Be salt. Be ready to act for the glory of God. See, doing these things will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor Rick has been teaching that for like this whole semester on Sunday mornings. He's been using those characteristics from, from, from the Peter, Peter series of just adding to our faith these things so that we will be unproductive. Let's, guys, let's not be unproductive. Let's be the same in private that we are in public. Let's take time to ask the Lord what he would want when we're away from everybody so that we will be ready to act when he calls our name in front of people. Not to be put on the stage to, to, to claim fame for yourself, but to bring glory and honor to God. We need to spend time in solitude, spend time practicing the spiritual disciplines, serve the Lord in public with courage and with faith. And with faith. See, the church, the church is called to follow Jesus in faith and in power. In power. Like, the church seems powerless sometimes. We've been called into darkness, into marvelous light. We've, we, we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. We got God's word. We got qualified preachers who are teaching us, and we feel powerless. I say that's, that's garbage. We are not powerless. In Jesus, we are powerful. And when we come together and we, we, when we unite together and when we stop cutting down each other and we start using our gifts, the gates of hell cannot stop the church. Jesus said, I am building the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And when you think of that passage, we think that the gates of hell are trying to stop the church. The church is coming so fast and so hard that it's pushing down hell's gates. And that's us. We're a part of that. So the church is not inactive, it is active. And we are called to be a part of that. So it's time for us to get active. It's time for us to follow Jesus and stop flaunting him. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we just thank you for this night. We thank you for the time that we are able to spend in your word. We thank you for the life of David. God, I thank you that day when he walked down delivering cheese and bread to the front line that you just set it up in such a way that he overheard someone tearing you down, and you just put a fire in his belly. God, I pray that for us. Calvary Young Adults, that you would just put a fire in our bones, 
not to hate, not to hurt, but to love and to be courageous and faithful, to step out and step up and open our mouths. And when we open our mouths, God, didn't you promise us that you, if when we open our mouths that you would put the words in to say? So God, help us to go out this week and open our mouths. And God, will you fill our mouths and fill our hearts and fill our minds with things that will bring honor and glory to your name? And God, help us to start, with, start that in our private time with you, with our Bible reading, with our, our scripture memorization, when we're, when, we're, when we're coming together with our spouses or someone that we're dating, or if we're alone, God, just preparing. God, those are all great seasons for us just to get ready. And God, I pray that you would use this group. God, what do we got, like 90 people in here? 90 people, 90 young professionals, ready, willing, saying, use me, Lord, use me in my family, use me in my community, use me in my church, use me. God, I pray that you would, uh, that you would bend your ear down and that you would open your eyes and see in the secret places this week the over 90 of us spending time spending time praying, spending time fasting in the secret place, away from everybody. And God, that you would reward us with opportunities to speak about your name. For your namesake and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you live in the Durham region, we'd love to have you join us for our Thursday night gathering. For more information and registration links, check out the Facebook or Instagram pages at CalvaryBCOshawaYA or website www.calvary.on.ca. Thanks for listening today. Until next time, bless you.